going to talk today about thanksgiving. And so before we do, let's, let's ask the Lord to help us. Let's, let's ask the Lord to, to, um, to bring this in deep to our hearts. All right, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we hear your word when it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for you are good, for your steadfast love endures forever. We, the redeemed of the Lord, say so, whom you have redeemed from trouble. You have been good to us, O Lord, and we want to give you thanks. And we pray that you would teach us in this time in your word what it is to become a people whose lives are changed by thanksgiving. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Thanksgiving is a powerful thing. It can change your life. Now, I don't mean that eating too much and falling asleep in front of a football game is a life-changing experience. Um, Of course, God can use anything, I suppose. So maybe it is. I don't know. It hasn't been for me. But Thanksgiving is close to God's heart. It gets into the way that you think. It shapes the way that you look at life. In fact, you know, we said that we're going to take a break from emotionally healthy spirituality. I think this is a component of emotionally healthy spirituality when you are full of thanksgiving. So I just want to read a bunch of scriptures so fast that, um, that, that you probably can't turn to them that quickly. So um, here goes. Thanksgiving is close to God's heart. Listen to the word of God. It's what you enter into his presence with. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. It's what comes out of a healthy walk with Jesus. Colossians 2, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It's a sign of healthy church life. Here's a slice of life from the church. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. It's also the will of God for you. It says in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You're wondering, what is the will of God for me? Here it is. Give thanks in everything, in all circumstances. It's what happens throughout all eternity as well. We don't stop thanking the Lord when we go to see him face to face. It says in Revelation chapter 7, all the angels were standing around the throne and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So this is pretty close to God's heart, I think those scriptures kind of indicate. So God wants it, but what if I'm not feeling it? What do I do? Well, I got one little really good piece of news here, and that is that what God commands, God provides. 
God doesn't say, do this, and then say, you're on your own, buddy. Make it happen. God makes it happen. So, the first thing I want to say is that the gospel produces thanksgiving in the heart of the believer. If you let it in. You go back to that one big story, the gospel. God saves helpless sinners through the life and the death and the resurrection of his sinless son, and he did this for me. Thank you, Jesus. When you believe the gospel and you set your mind on it, the gospel produces wonder in your hearts. Wonder. I, I want to talk a little bit about wonder. You take a look at what Jesus has done. It produces wonder. You, you look at, like, for instance, Titus chapter 3. You can turn to Titus chapter 3 because it's a little bit longer passage. It's not just a uh, half of a verse or anything. Titus chapter 3. And it says this. This is Paul's talking about uh, what happened to him and the people he uh, that is in fellowship with who have come to uh, faith in Jesus Christ. It says this. For we ourselves, Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 3, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he has poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This, this passage produces wonder in me. I look at the fact that my sins are forgiven, according to this passage, my sins are gone. That God is going to give me holiness. He's going to change my life. He promises eternal life. His covenant is promised to never leave me or forsake me. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Abundant life, healing by his grace, his presence. I get God in this. When he saves us, he gives us himself, which is the greatest treasure of all. And so I look at that and I say... How in the world? How can this be? And so you look at 1 John chapter 3, it says, how great, how, behold, behold, take a look at it. How great is the love of the Father that we should be called the children of God. How can this be? That's wonder. How can this be? I don't deserve this. God has lavished his love on me through Jesus. When my wife's father died, the pastor said of him that Ted Noe could never get over being saved. And that phrase has rung in my mind ever since. I want to never get over being saved. That gospel song, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, anybody know? Where would I be? That old country song, why me, Lord? What did I ever do to deserve all of this? Of course, it's a rhetorical question for which there is no answer. It is God's amazing grace. In fact, the hymn writers got it right. Amazing grace. How sweet 
the sound. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me? Died he for me? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Oh, what wonder. How amazing that Jesus Christ, the King of kings, deigns to call me his beloved and bids me rest between his, beneath his wings. Wonder. How could God do this for me? How could God lavish this amazing, costly grace upon me, a helpless sinner? That's wonder. Wonder leads me into thanksgiving. If God's grace is amazing to you, you're blown away by the wonder of God's grace, your heart is going to be full of thanksgiving. So what do you thank God for? And I want to give you three levels of thanksgiving, as I see it. I'm sure there are many more, and I'm sure there's a lot more that could be said. But I just started thinking about this, and I, I see three levels of thanksgiving. The first level, level one, is thanksgiving for every little blessing. Every little, little thing. You start with this. All good things come from the Father, says in James chapter 1. All good, perfect, every good, perfect gift, everything. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights who is faithful and he doesn't change the shifting shadow. The little stuff in your day. You know, I mean, this is a daily delight in my life. And I, I, I can truthfully tell you that. I'm thanking Jesus all throughout my day. I work with my hands for a living. I use tools. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh, oh, crap, where's that tool? I can't find that tool. I can't find the tool anymore. Ah, here, thank you, Jesus. You know, I mean, little things. The dinky little things, uh, the fact that you had a near miss in traffic, that might not have been a real little thing, actually. Um, you'll face situations like that. Um, you know, every time a customer tips you, or every time a, you, know, you barely make it to a gas station running on fumes, thank you, Jesus. That happens to me a lot more than it probably should. I've got a very gentlemanly gas gauge on my car. It doesn't do anything except just this little, you know, blinking uh, thing that's not even a red light. It's like a, you know, I can barely see it. But uh, so I'm always getting caught. And I've got this little can in the back of my car. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But to get to level one Thanksgiving going in your life, you really got to get rid of this thing called deism. What's deism? Deism is this idea that God wound up the universe like a clock, and then he went away on vacation. And he let the universe go on with natural laws, and everything just goes on. And God's not always involved, because he's away on vacation. He's got bigger things to think of. That's deism. So you've got to get rid of deism, because what the book of Colossians says is that God holds all things together. He holds the universe together. It means you've got to believe that God is in, always involved in every little thing. There is nothing too little to thank God for. You know, I mean, I, I think physical therapy patients, you make a little bit of progress. Thank you, Jesus. You know, every little thing, every little step that you take, the fact that you got up this morning, the fact that you got here this morning, every little thing 
thank you, Jesus, because you were involved with everything. God holds all things together, and, and you know, another thing, I don't believe in luck. So, level, that's level one. Then there's level two. Thanksgiving for everything deep and significant in your life. Level two. Deep and, 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 deep and significant. This is where you get into the habit of giving thanks for the deep and precious things in this life. Relationships with key people that you know love you. You know that these people love you. You know that your life is enriched. You know that you got people in your life that point you to Jesus. They may be family members. Um, you know, you, you hear your wife snore, or more often is the case, the wife hears the husband snore. And, and you go, thank you, Jesus. Now, you may not feel like thanking him at that time because it's keeping you up at night, but you say, okay, this is a gift. This person next to me is a gift from Jesus. You thank God for your just the, these key people, your family, your health. Some examples. You ever, like, um, you ever watch your baby sleep? When when our babies were little, sometimes we just you know we'd go into the room and, and see the baby sleeping, and you know that baby's not doing anything wrong at that moment. <laughs> not doing. I mean, just you know nothing but just looking glorious, and and you just ah oh, just melts your heart. Thank you, Jesus, to see that little baby sleep, or your grandbaby sleeping, or you. Or, or you, 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 um, you think of your parents, and, and, and maybe your parents, um, you know, it, like you get to a certain age and you feel like your, your parents can't do anything right, but, uh, but this Thanksgiving helps you too at that moment because you realize that, that your parents are, are, are doing some pretty wonderful things for you. And, uh, and, and you just open up your heart and ask, uh, you know, how is God blessing me, my parents? Um, you got one or two friends in your life that love you and they get you and they point you to Jesus. Um, you know, I'm thanking God that my three adult children are all getting together in L.A. for Thanksgiving. They're calling it Thanks Siblings. Now, I know it's not always the case that three adult children love each other like they do. But that blesses my heart and I thank Jesus for it. These are deep things. These are significant things that... That, that, that these are there are gifts from God. How about your church giving thanks for the fellowship, giving thanks for the teaching that we get here, the opportunity to join our voices together in worship? These are deep things and are gifts from our Heavenly Father who loves us. Giving thanks for the people in the body of Christ the way Paul does. At the beginning of many of his um, letters to the churches, he says, I always thank God for you. Every time I think about you, I thank God for you. And I find that especially interesting and amazing and kind of amusing when I think that he's saying that to the Corinthians who gave him so much trouble. He goes, 1 Corinthians 4, get this, always giving thanks for you, even though I have to get after you about Im Im immaturity divisiveness, pride, immorality, drunkenness, and gluttony at the communion table, I'm always giving thanks for you. Because the Corinthians are precious to Paul's heart. No matter how much he gets annoyed with their immaturity and their craziness, they are precious to his heart. He sees people who have been redeemed, 
by Jesus Christ. He doesn't look at them primarily as people who are, uh, who, who are so screwed up, as he's pretty open about in the letters. He looks at them primarily as those who have been created in the image of God and bought by the blood of Christ and are his and, and, and are our brothers and sisters. So, this is level two thanksgiving where you give glory to God for the deep blessings, but these blessings and level one blessings can be taken away as well as given. Level three. I call this ultimate thanksgiving for what does not change. You know, you can, you know, you can take a couple of wrong turns. You can use thanksgiving as a means of denial uh, where you are not grieving a loss, but you're just thanking God for other things at the same time in order to medicate yourself against grieving. You know, we heard a good sermon on that a couple of weeks ago how, about how it is healthy and biblical to feel the weight of a significant loss in your life. And thanksgiving is never meant to be a form of denial. But you still, in the midst of your grief, if you grieve as those who have hope, you grieve as those who believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. You grieve as those who stand on a rock that will never shift under your feet. So that's why we need level three, thanksgiving, ultimate thanksgiving. Thank God for his unshakable kingdom. Thank God for his unchangeable faithfulness. Thank Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank him for promising to never leave you and never forsake you. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his salvation, for his love that nothing in heaven and earth can separate me from. Thank God for eternal life with Jesus. Those things will not ever change. You're never going to get unfriended by God. Once he has forgiven you of your sins, you've repented of your sins, you come to him and you receive the forgiveness that is purchased for you by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and all your sins are gone and the righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to your account as if you lived it, that's never going to be revoked. It's never going to be taken away. Nothing can shake it. Nothing can change in the promises that God has made. So that's why we need level three, thanksgiving. Level one and two, things can change. Level three, things do not change. But level two, these precious people that I mentioned that you love can be taken away from you. And that's where you begin to say like Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is where your level three thanksgiving gives you a firm foundation to stand on when level two things begin to break your heart. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. 
When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. This is where you begin to give thanks in all things, in every circumstance, because giving thanks for what does not change and giving thanks for the presence of God in the midst of suffering is acknowledging that the presence of God is enough that somehow that is enough, that therefore he is to be praised even in the midst of sorrow. And you begin to say that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. So what can Thanksgiving do to your life? How can it change your life? Well, first of all, you get these things into your heart and into your mind, and, and it becomes a daily thing for you where you're thanking Jesus for every little thing and you're thanking Jesus for the big things and you're thanking Jesus for that which never changes. And you're engaged in that and that's changing the way you look at life. It changes the way you look at the world. And when that happens, you start thanking everybody in sight. You know, it's like that old song, Love Potion Number 9. You know, I, I started kissing everything in sight. You start thanking everybody in sight. Everybody, from the person who fills your water glass at the cafe or the coffee cup, or, you know, the, um, you begin to, to, to thank your customer for their business. You, you begin to thank the banker for taking your deposit. And, uh, and you begin to thank everybody for everything. It becomes, it, it makes you somebody who is full of thanksgiving and you bless other people because you're passing on what God has given to you. I remember Thomas Mathai, and one of the things that I heard from him more than anything else he ever said, remember, what did he say? Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was his signature phrase, and he blessed me with that. Another thing, okay, first thing, it, it, you begin to thank everybody. Secondly, it helps you fight the idol of covetousness, and it grows contentment in your heart. The Bible says, I think in Colossians somewhere, that, that when you covet, covet means you want something somebody else has. You're not happy with what God gave you. You would be happy with what God gave somebody else. Instead of weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice, you weep when somebody else rejoices, and you rejoice when somebody else weeps. That's covetousness. And the Bible says that is idolatry. You know why? Because we begin to worship the idea of a better life that God didn't give us. We begin to worship at the feet of some ideal life that we think we should have. If God didn't give us the short end of the stick, we start to believe that age-old lie that was first told in the Garden of Eden, that God is holding out on you, that God's not being good to you. And we start to believe that lie. And we start to think that God would be better, that, that my life would be so much better, my life would be so much more worth li living if only I had what somebody else has. And you become consumed with what you don't have. You become consumed with that which someone else has been blessed with. And 
thanksgiving is the fertile soil on, in, in which you grow contentment. And contentment is the, is, is the fruit of that fertile soil, is the fruit of what grows in the soil of thanksgiving. And, and so you could say, I shall not covet, I shall not covet, I shall not covet, until you're blue in the face, but until thanksgiving has gotten deep into your soul and is making you a content person, not complacent, but content. Complacency is something else. That's like you're happy with things that shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, like you see injustice and you go, you know, oh, I'm content. No, no. <laughs> you know, like you haven't found a job. Oh, I'm content. Some will drop in my lap. That's complacency. That's not contentment. Contentment is God has been good to me. He has given me everything I need in this life and for the next life as well. And that he didn't give me the short end of the stick. God has treated me like his very own. He's treated me the way a good father treats his child. That's contentment. And so it is thanksgiving, this daily thing, this daily, not just mouthing the words, but feeling, yes, God, you have blessed me. You have given me everything that I need. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is what tills the soil of the heart, which grows contentment and stands and and, 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 and is the greatest defense against the idolatry of covetousness. So that's the second way Thanksgiving changes your life. The third, it deepens you. It deepens you. You ever, you ever been sitting there and, and, and the, the, um, the bread and the cup come to you and the Lord's Supper and you go, yeah, yeah, you know, I really need to, oh boy, I need to get with this. I need, I need, I need to be engaged here. I need to uh, I need to feel this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and you're having trouble feeling everything that is appropriate to what you're about to remember and what you're about to celebrate. It is Thanksgiving, especially level three of that which does not change, that gets into your heart, deep into your spirit, deep into your life that enables you to be ready for the Lord's Supper all the time. Because when that Lord's Supper comes and you see that Jesus Christ's blood has been shed for you, that means a violent death has taken place in, in your place. And that his body was broken for you so that you could be free from the wrath of God, that you have no you have no fear of God's punishment, but you've got that lovely fear of the Lord that comes from a son to a father. And you get that when the bread and the cup come around deeply, deeply thankful, ready to say thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. It deepens you. It deepens your appreciation. It deepens your experience in communion. That's three and four. It keeps you humble. Yeah, it keeps. I need to be kept humble, not because um, 
well, no, I just need, I, I just need humility. I need the Lord to keep me humble. Um, Paul said to the Corinthians again, those blessed Corinthians. I'm so glad the Corinthians are in the Bible because, boy, we can all identify with them. Paul said to the Corinthians, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't? If you are full of thanksgiving, it reminds you that everything you have, you were given. Everything that you have, everything that you enjoy, every talent that you've been given, every, you know, your good looks, it was a gift from God. Everything that you have was given to you. You didn't make it happen. Therefore, it keeps me humble. It keeps me humble to realize that I don't have anything that wasn't given to me as a free gift from the gracious hand of a father who sent his son to save me. Thanksgiving is going is, it, it, it is to change the way you do life. Let the gospel take you into a place of wonder. And let wonder lead you into thanksgiving. And ask God to open your eyes to see what he has done. And let thanksgiving, real thanksgiving, flow deep into your heart, into your life, into your spirit, and change the way you look at life, change the way you look at other people, change the way you look at yourself, and change the way that you look at God. Amen? All right. Let's, uh, worship team, come on up and let's, let's pray together and ask the Lord to apply these things to our lives. Oh, Lord, We come to you and we know that we need what only you can give. We need a rearrangement of our thoughts. We need our idols dealt with in a new and fresh way by your Holy Spirit. We need our covetousness uh, put to death by the Spirit. We need our entitlement broken by the Holy Spirit. We need humility. And we need thanksgiving in every part of our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would be pleased to change our lives, to make us a deeply thankful people all that you have done. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.